Hello and welcome to the Queen Bee Podcast, where the stories of regional women come alive, resonate and inspire. I'm your host, Tanya Rutherford, and together with a passionate team of women, we've painted this landscape for you. In truth, this podcast is about gathering the stories of women who live in regional and remote Australia to bridge those gaps, to create communities, and of course, to tell the richness in their journeys. Now, if anything does come up for you today, please be kind to yourself. You can share it with us, whether that's through our socials, our Queen Bee community, or you can send us a DM. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Queen Bee podcast. Joining me today is Heidi Gray, and Heidi is a dynamic, vivacious, funny and youthful woman. She's grown up in rural Australia, which are on the border of New South Wales and Queensland, and she not only has country at her heart, but is also career-oriented and passionate about well-being. Welcome, Heidi. Thank you, Tanya. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell us a bit about your journey. Um, growing up in the country, what was your most what were your most memorable experiences, I guess? Yeah, so um I've yeah, as as you say, growing up in the country. So I my first memories have really always just been um, you know, on the farm. Um we my dad is an ag pilot, so we sort of spent a lot of time initially, I guess, moving around, um, following his work. And my mum grew up on a property um out west of We War Narrabri. So right out in the sticks um a lot of memories just going out to my grandparents place and just you know just that I guess that wide open space and and not really understanding what a neighbor was and and that sort of thing and then um when I was about eight years old my parents moved to a property um in near Warrialda in Varel in New South Wales and um yeah if they're still there now um it's yeah so we've sort of had 20 years um on that property and just sort of my brother and I spent a lot of our I guess childhood years outside and you know trying not to break too many bones and and that sort of thing and it's really given us both this really lovely I guess attachment to to animals and to um you know nature and you know just instead of on the weekends being too fussed about staying inside like we spent a lot of time sort of you know, out like down at the creek and having barbies and just kicking the footy around and um, yeah, it's just it was just such a really it was a, such a lovely way to to grow up and you know we're always a little bit just jealous of our friends who got to hang out after school or whatever it might be, but you know we got to really get to really have that I guess yeah connection with with the with the land and with our animals and you know bringing our friends out there to sort of have that same sort of experience was it was really cool so I'm very grateful to that um I went away to boarding school when I was 14 so went across the border to Queensland in Toowoomba um and spent a few years there and um yeah really like I was never great at school. Like I, I, I loved primary school because you just sort of kick around with your friends. But I felt like in high school everything got a bit serious and it just wasn't really my cup of tea. But <laughs> I got some, um, made some beautiful friends um, through boarding school. And um, I think, you know, now you just have mates all over the place just because everyone's obviously from different corners of the state and um, country. So, yeah, it was, it was a really cool experience. And, um, yeah, it's definitely got me to where I am now. 
And so talking about where you are now, what are the kind of things that you're working on at the moment? Yeah, so um, I I was an ex-traveler travel consultant, so I did that for about six years, and then um, in 2018, obviously the you know New South Wales, Queensland, most of Australia were going through a really intense drought, um, and I sort of took a break from my travel lifestyle, and um, thank goodness because COVID would have kicked me right out of Great it anyway. <laughs> And yeah, just I guess through that experience, it got me um, thinking, you know, just seeing the effects that that drought was having on my family and the community. Um, I decided to study counselling and um, yeah, just from there then sort of did psych at uni and I hadn't, I left school when I was 16. So I didn't really look at books until I was 24. So that was a bit of an experience to kind of go um, into that, into that study space. At, a, at an older age, but I'm so glad I did it that way because, I, I, you know, I really did give it my all when it was something I was interested in. Um, yeah. And, yeah, through that, I guess, the last couple of years I've been working um, as a counsellor um, predominantly in rural areas, so working with farmers and rural communities in terms of, you know, disaster management and and how that kind of looks like in, a, I guess, a wellbeing space. Um I'm doing a similar sort of role now up in Queensland. So I've moved moved up to the Sunshine Coast with my partner um, the start of this year. And we, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of able to do, I guess, that, that similar kind of role for an organisation up here working with small business owners and and um primary producers just in that in that well-being space um and then I also have sort of my own private counseling um business where I can work with sort of people from all ages and in different backgrounds in that really low intervention um person-centered approach so yeah it's it's a really great little um I guess niche I think you know working working in that um disaster recovery space in terms of being a counsellor and being an advocate for for rural communities and for farmers and for small business owners that you know might not have this same access to resources that we get in those more um you know urban areas so yeah my life is um you know it's, it's a really good balance at the moment I guess of you know living living where we live here on the coast um but also being able to sort of still have that connection to those smaller smaller towns and those rural communities that, you know, I, I do miss miss my home in New South Wales, but um, I guess it's just, it is really just about chasing those opportunities and being able to get as much experience as you can. Um, you know, we don't have kids at the, at the moment or have no real, like, I guess, ties anywhere. So we're really just taking that, um, taking that ability to just sort of float around as much as we can and kind of I guess be like two big sponges and sort of take in and 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 sort of keep bettering ourselves, which is which is lots of fun. And so, where would you like to go with all this? Where would I like to go? Um, well, I'm I'm doing my I guess I'm doing my fourth year psych um, at uni at the moment, which is a, a research um, degree and. It's funny when I did my counselling diploma, um, counselling is very practical and then you sort of do your um, psychology um, undergrad at uni and it's it's not practical in terms of skills or anything. It is very science-based. It is, um, you know, you're obviously 
learning all about like the biology and um you know different I guess aspects of what health is and that real biopsychosocial model which is a fantastic thing that we are really trying to implement rather than just that um biomedical model you know we'll just talk about the symptoms and where they come from and not really looking at it holistically so um yeah it was funny to do that counseling and and really love that and then sort of do the psychology and sort of see how different they are. Um, But through my undergrad, I definitely found a little bit of a love for that research side of things. And, um, yeah, so I'm sort of kind of making my way through this this final degree at the moment and, we, you know, we have have a task of doing a thesis and really, you know, developing those skills in the research world. And I think it's definitely somewhere for me as a, you know, as someone who's an advocate for for rural um, communities and for, um, you know, people that may not have same access to, as I said before, resources and that sort of thing, um, being able to get into that research field and through the connections that I already have in terms of people I've worked with before in health and, and the wellbeing space, um, just being able to, yeah, I guess find... Um, find gaps in the literature or gaps in the research and be able to sort of put my energy into that and um you know balancing that with I love the practicality as I said of counseling but I'm just I'm really excited by the research opportunities that we have um in this space so yeah to answer your question Tanya um I'm (laughs) probably probably got a little bit on the next couple of years but you know as I said my partner and I just really enjoying this time that we've got together and Um, you know being able to sort of move around and take on these new opportunities and if I can kind of manage my studies and my work and 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 my work-life balance as well um, I'll be really happy and just sort of as I said sort of focusing on maybe that longer term of, of getting into more of that research side of things as like a career goal but always really being able to carry that counselling, those counselling skills that I've built, um, you know, whether it's through private practice or working. And, yeah, it's 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 definitely different to the travel consulting life I was doing yep. four or five or six years ago. But, yeah, I'm really loving it. It's a really great, it's a really great space to work in and you just meet the most amazing, resilient people. And it kind of feels like it's a really good blend, like, you know, between your passion for like, you know, country communities, that sort of counselling, so you're aware of the individual and then that psychology, bringing those together kind of offset some of the disadvantage of, of having them just on their own. So being able to bring that together, I can really see that you have great potential to, you know, add to that research field in a real practical sense and like, uh, even interpreting a lot of the research for people to understand what it means for them. Um, yeah, awesome. Yeah, definitely. And I like what you're saying there too. It's, you know, when you work with, um, you know, I'm not trying to, not generalising farmers at all, but like if you sort of come into the, you come into a counselling space with someone from, you know, with that real practical mindset and if you're trying to, talk about um you know coping strategies or identifying stresses and what that might look like for them if you can't sort of come into that conversation from a practical point of view or you know have that sort of evidence-based approach in terms of what your kind of the work you're trying to do together they'll just sort of look at it and go oh this is you know 
this is it's either a waste of their time or it's it's a bit woo woo in terms of just like it's just words and so you're just being able to have that break things down and look at it a little bit more mechanically or whatever it might be um it just really builds that trust in in what your and what counseling is and what that service is because there has always been this stigma um and it is definitely still um around but you just have you know people people asking for support and people sort of accessing counseling services and and I think it's it's definitely breaking down and I do believe that you know after the drought and the bushfires and you know COVID-19 and all of the horrible sort of events that have happened over the last five years I think one of the best things to come out of it is the fact that people are becoming more like open to the idea of asking for help. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of different services and um, supports that have sort of popped up since. And I think our job of as being, you know, working in this space is just really planting the seeds and you don't necessarily have to approach someone at a, you know, an expo or, you know, at a, a, I don't know, like a community barbecue where there might be service providers or something like that, but just sort of being able to sort of, you know, put, put those as I said, plant those seeds and so people kind of know that you're there and when they feel comfortable to reach out to you or approach you, then it's in their time and it's 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 going to be a lot more effective than you trying to push something on them and tell them that they need to talk or, yeah, so it's just respecting that space and, um, yeah, it's, it's as I said before, it's, 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 exciting, it's an exciting place to work but you always have to respect your clients and what they're going to be comfortable with. And I think also coming to the, for you coming to the table with that understanding of those challenges that they're going through, like from your own lived experience and the lived experience of your family, I would imagine gives a very different, um, I, I guess it gives, gives them more permission because they can see that you get what they're talking about. It's not just a, oh, yes, yes, we know it's hard, that kind of thing, but an actual yeah, my folks have been through that. I've been helping out on the farm and they're going, oh, she gets it. She gets me. And I can see how that would open up a lot more conversations because you've had that experience than someone who might be coming in from the city and just going, oh, yes, I'm the counsellor and I'm here to help and save everyone, which sounds terrible. I should stop saying things like that because I sound like such a bitch. Um, but, but sometimes well, you know, that's how things can come across when we don't yeah. have that lived experience. And I know from when I've worked in the university sector is there can be in those kind of fields a lot of I want to go out and save someone and yeah. having a different approach um, is really important, I think. Definitely. And I think we all, you know, this is why, like, you know, as I said, I left school when I was in grade 10. I didn't like school. I It didn't work for me. And then sort of having, you know, going and doing what I wanted to do for a few years in terms of like doing that. And I was really lucky to get that opportunity to work and travel and to do that. Um, but, you know, you, you do sort of in a roundabout way find your, I guess, not to sound too la-di-da, but like you find your calling and you find you know, what what you want to do and whether if that's because of life experience or if that's because of something that you've always wanted to do, you know, since you're a child. You know, I, my dad's known he wanted to, he's been wanting to be a pilot since he was four, whereas I still didn't know what I wanted to do when I was 24. So, um, you know, I think it's, it is just also, you know, based on the person and that the situation of their life. Um, 
But I think too, like for me, like, you know, like finding counselling as a, as a space that I wanted to work as, but then, you know, that, that, that area that I felt comfortable because obviously, you know, as a new, as a, as a counsellor or working in this space, you, I get a lot of um, imposter syndrome, you know, and it's, and it's just because, you know, you're, you're working with people who are vulnerable and you're really holding these conversations and um, it can be very heavy at times, but there is like that, when you have got that level of self-disclosure that that is, you know, can create such a, a, b- a bit more of safety in terms of like their willingness to share. Um, I am very lucky in terms of that my self-disclosure of being a rural person and why I got into counselling, um, it does sort of give that level um, of safety to clients. And and as you say before, you know, they, they are a lot more forthcoming with what they'll tell you because they know that they can kind of explain something um farm related or you know related to the industry that they're in and it's not necessarily going to go over my head and not that it's my job to be there as someone who understands farming but it is just like it is just kind of it is just a nice thing to I guess add add to it and it's the same as you know you're working with women or um you know I myself I've got ADHD so like when I work with clients who have got ADHD it's like that's that same level of like self-disclosure and I think you do notice when you know you work with clients and there are there is no similarities between your two lives it is just really coming back to that like you know you're a counsellor these are the counselling skills this is what your job is to be here today you don't have to be there's no level of self-disclosure there um but you definitely find your niche and I'm sure you'd agree like as you sort of go through life you find areas that you can relate to and you feel like you're doing your best work and I think if I can kind of continue to identify what they are and be able to put my energy into the into those areas of um you know clients or um you know career or whatever it is I think that's where you, you're going to get the most um enjoyment and and yeah be able to really like feel like you're doing very important work with people so <clears throat> coming into that ADHD side of things is that something you've always known you have or is that more of something you've um learnt as you've um become an adult essentially um it's funny because like when I was uh, in primary school I was always very bright I loved school um I loved learning and you know I just there was no signs or anything like that and then pretty much you know went to high school did a year at high school um didn't necessarily enjoy that transition and really I guess I went through a lot of hormonal changes as well you know coming into being a teenager and um yeah going from really being like this kind of tomboy my whole life and then all of a sudden like getting your period and getting boobs and and I was just so confused but there was definitely something that um yeah switched for me when I was 13 and I just really lost a lot of drive and um interest and you know it was just it was quite it was a very strange thing for me to kind of um articulate and I didn't really know how to talk to my parents about it in any way and then I was lucky enough to go to boarding school when I was in grade eight and um did that for a few years but yeah just really was unable to kind of find that um 
find that like love for learning and school and um, I really did kind of just spend a few years just hanging out with new mates and you know being in a in in a, in Toowoomba which was a lot bigger and a lot more happening than than my hometown but um yeah it wasn't until I was 20 26 um I I actually met a girl and she had ADHD and um obviously you know when you're a kid you're like the, the, the kids that had ADHD in my class were boys and they were hyperactive and it's that whole you know generalized yep. stereotypical um, ADHD when you're a kid and then yeah just met I met a girl and um she you know she told me that she just struggled with motivation and organization and and that sort of thing and sort of with massive overshare and just all of these things that I was like oh my gosh that's me and then, <laughs> that's usually how yeah. we find things isn't it it's like oh my it's like a mirror held up and you're like oh okay <laughs> yeah once I met this this girl um we sort of had those conversations and then I started you know doing Dr Google and um I was you know I was sort of in that space of being a counsellor and that sort of thing by then anyway so knew a few of the tools that were out there in terms of you know what assessment looks like and um yeah it was probably about a four-month process and then ended up getting um my diagnosis and um was just yeah a super I guess relieved to find out that um you know it was it was something that had like an explanation in a way and it was probably you know I'd, I'd never really thought about it um I think I just always thought you know I obviously you know there was just something that happened when I was like in grade seven for me to just not really have that a lot of ambition and it was it was it was very disheartening but it was just something that I accepted but yeah, to then sort of have that, um, go through that process and then now, you know, be able to kind of talk with other people about it. And, you know, a lot of the conversations I have with people is like, oh, how can I change this? Or how can I, you know, I want to be able to not, um, I don't want to forget everything or I, I don't I don't like this about myself. And a big thing that I, I guess, talk talk about and, and just kind of explore with, with clients and then just people in general is, it is something that you really do have to accept about yourself and instead of trying to change the way that you behave or change things about your, you know your processes it is just it's just really about educating yourself and finding the strengths that you that come with it um because if you spend your whole you know your whole day sort of thinking oh how do i how do i stop having adhd or how do i you know how do i deal with these symptoms um it's it's just such a frustrating process but if you can if you can really accept them that's the sort of the first step to being able to find ways to accommodate them and you know if I'm going somewhere for the weekend now put all my stuff at the front door the night before otherwise I'll end up in Toowoomba for the weekend without a jacket in the middle of winter so yeah it's <laughs> definitely it's definitely a bit of a um it's definitely a bit of a superpower, I think, and I, I do love that about it. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, there's a lot of women that don't get diagnosed until they're older and it's because the symptoms are a bit very different to what they mm. we've always sort of known that they look like for kids. So, um, yeah, it's, it's caused me a lot of stress, but it's also, you know, it's been the, the backing of a lot of my successes as well. And so if you could go back to that year seven girl, that year seven Heidi, and give her a message, what would it be? Um, 
I think, I guess, I guess what I would say is, you know, just, it's a hard question because I've always said, you know, I wouldn't go back and change, change, you know, finding out about it earlier and, you know, finding out about it later in life, I mean, rather than earlier. Um, and I guess for me, it's, I'd probably sort of say, I'd probably say to her, you know, just be more present, you know, get to know yourself a little bit more because, you know, there might have been that opportunity to be aware of like processes and, and my thinking patterns. I think, um, I think my biggest regret, I guess you could say, and I don't think I knew any better, but I just wasn't present enough with myself and I didn't really take the time to understand myself and um I spent a lot of a lot of my teenage years and early 20s you know just probably being very erratic and um you know just doing a lot of partying and and not really sort of thinking too much about me and my future and looking into the future at all but um really learning how to be present whether it was through you know, when that drought was on and just really having to stop and sort of consider everything else around me and how that was, how everyone's sort of affected by this big event and then getting into the counselling, like you really develop these skills of self-awareness. And I did a lot of a lot of getting to know myself um, sort of through those years of 24 and 24 and up. Um, but, yeah, but, you know, I don't know what she'd say to me if I told her that, but um, when <laughs> she's 13, but... <laughs> I think that's probably that's probably the advice I'd give her just to, you know, just sort of take some time to get to know yourself a bit more and, and just be present. And, um, yeah, I'm a chronic reflector now, so I think, you know, then the skills would have, like the, there would have been some things there that hopefully the sort of thinking about it a little bit, you know, might have might have worked back then, but um, they're definitely there now. So, yeah, I guess, as I said, I'm... Um, long-winded answer of questions but I, I think in a roundabout way that's probably where I'd go with that with that advice and, and it's really hard isn't it because we're all wiser in hindsight and I think that for a certain period of our time when we're growing up is we're just not open to that kind of way of thinking like we just that's not how our brains work so um yeah yeah and I, and I find it really interesting that you can kind of pinpoint that sense of when things almost like triggered that change, like that transition and that I imagine stress period of moving from what was familiar and, and fun into something that was very different. Most teenagers can relate, but just I guess that change in relationship I might have had with my family members as well, you know, for everything to sort of feel super innocent. Um, and then, you know, you do have those years where you just like, you don't, you can't have those same conversations with your parents or, you know, your siblings or whatever it is, because you are going through all these internal changes yourself. And there's definitely a level of, um, feeling isolated and, um, yeah, it was, I've always, yeah, I've always sort of known that's definitely when it's happened. And I think too, like my primary school was just, probably some of the best years of my life like the the teachers and the culture there was just you know it was just such a accommodating place to to be 
and then that shift to go to high school where it didn't have that same feel. Um, yeah, it was it's just there was didn't feel like a transition and um, there was just so many things that kind of happened and that whole, I guess, um, you know, the idea of going from being 12 years old to being a teenager and, yeah, you don't really think about it all. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I definitely wouldn't, Strange thing, like I've, as I said earlier, like you know, being able to sort of have a break from school, and you know, I always said that school wasn't my thing when I was a teenager, but like I do love studying now. Um, I I love like what I've decided to study, and it's just so much more um, interesting and easy to do when it's something that you're passionate about. And whether that's because I've had the life experience or if I've found something that I'm you know, it works for me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely very grateful for that because I know that if I did stick it out at school and I did go to uni straight after, like I probably would be one of those people who have done three or four half degrees by now and still haven't found <laughs> what I wanted to do. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I'm in a, yeah, I'm, a, I'm really lucky in that sense and it just shows that you can do things the unconventional way and it, and it, and it can work out the right way for you. Yeah. And so while you're here, is there anything else you might like to share with the audience? Um, I guess a big thing, you know, as as women and, you know, as men as well and, and any any gender really, like we do, the older we get, um, the more, like, roles we are playing in our own life and then, you know, the, the roles that we're playing in other people's lives as well. And I think just... Um, just really being able to kind of take care of ourselves and to to recognize that and to and to create spaces whether it's you know with friends or family or you know whether it's with a support person to have those opportunities to sort of reflect on where we're at and what our responsibilities are and um because you know you can kind of go through life and you can you can really just sort of keep your head above water and without sort of acknowledging how much you know how much you are doing and you know the impact that you're having on your own life and other people's life around you so um yeah just taking that time to 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 really be acknowledged like acknowledge yourselves and to to be aware of you know the others around you and to check in check in with your friends and family because yeah it's just you know there is it does feel like a, a little bit of a level of disconnection you know since since COVID potentially whether that's been because we've had to isolate or had to spend a lot more time on technology but um there really is nothing better than sort of getting you know getting getting with people that you care about and just sort of you know having a bit of a chat or a laugh and um trying to work that you know parallel line of looking after yourself and everything else kind of working because you can't you know you can't expect life to be going well or being able to sort of look after other people if you're not looking after yourself so yeah I guess that's that's a big thing and um that's probably all the advice I have Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> well and great advice it is too and I think it's so easy to forget to look after ourselves first um and therefore so much easier to get run down trying to look after everyone else uh, so thank you for joining us for today's episode. We've been yarning with Heidi Gray. Heidi is a wellness coach. She's also doing work with crisis management. Was that, that's right, isn't it? Crisis management? Sorry. Hang on. <laughs> Just Sorry. To, um, 
Yeah, so business a, a business wellness coach at the moment um, up in Gympie. So, yeah, working with um, small business owners and farmers who have been affected by natural disaster, but also just working with them in terms of, you know, creating a better better space for their well-being and um, just helping them sort of move forward with all of the different things that we get thrown at each year. So, yeah. Awesome. I thought I was I thought I was misreading it because you're in Gympie and living in the Sunshine Coast. So I got myself confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're living in the Sunshine Coast with your partner and a puppy, I believe. No, I um I only so it's just James and I and would love to get a puppy, but we have a small apartment, so it's just not something that we've committed to yet um but I do have a 13 year old Jack Russell Vardy who lives with my parents um he's a massive farm dog so he would hate it at the coast but yeah massive beautiful little little Jack Russell I think he he would be so devastated if I got another dog to be honest but um (laughs) yeah he's definitely he's a he's a uh, only child for sure like he just loves the attention and he's great but um, yeah, hopefully 2024. Um, I'll I'll get James to listen to this podcast, and yeah, if he can hear this bit at the end where I'm asking him to get me a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, if you would like to come onto this podcast to request uh, pets, please do <laughs> get in contact. <laughs> I have pet pigs at the moment, so as well as cats and dogs and everything else. But yes, so awesome. I can hear your pet rooster out there. Uh, well, ducks, yeah, everyone likes <laughs> to get in on the action here. <laughs> I bribed the goats today so they're not being too noisy. So, awesome. Well, thank you so much and definitely connect with Heidi um, and keep listening to the Queen Bee Podcast. The Queen Bee Podcast delves into the heart of regional women's experiences their aspirations, challenges and journeys. It's a platform that celebrates their individuality, their resilience and their ambition. These tales of reinvention, adaptation, inspiration and the power of connections.